guys, and welcome to another edition of the Hoopjack Podcast Series. I am your host, Christopher Armistead, and today we have a lot to talk about. The TBT having, having been going the last few weeks, a lot of upsets, a lot of moving forward, what's left with the and everything like that. But we have some very special guests today, uh, creators of the Born Winners Podcast Series. We have Mo and Cam. Guys, it's great to have you on. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here with you today, man. How's it going? How's it going? Going great. Thank you guys for coming on. So tell me a little bit about Born Winners, how you guys got it started, and the, you know, how you guys got with pretty much the name. I love the logo. You guys pretty much took the way past the LeBron for the alley-oop. I love it. Um, but what was kind of the idea behind it all? You want to handle that, Kim? Yeah, I got you. Uh, so, um, look, quick little background story. So, like, me and Alma, we've been friends for, like, forever now, basically. Um, growing up in, like, Windsor, Connecticut, um, I later on eventually ended up moving to Pittsburgh one night. But I went down to visit this past, like, last September, October, something like that. And, um, you know, Alma approached to talk to me about, you know, hitting, trying to get in the podcast game and stuff like that. Um, not going to lie, at first I wasn't really feeling it, but it was one person on this plane that could get me to do it. It would have been him. Um, <laughs> so, and we, we grew up, you know, just in sports, played sports, especially like basketball and stuff like that, arguing all the time and whatnot. Um, and so we figured, all right, well, we'll make it around sports, something that we do anyway, you know. Um, as for the name, I think, did I come up with the name? Uh, I think it was more of like a... We were really struggling to find a name. We couldn't think of anything. When uh, Cameron had came up to a visit that week, we had went to a J. Cole concert. So I think uh, Cameron kind of thought of, uh, you know, let's try and center it around J. Cole, which is his favorite rapper, by the way. So, it was the easiest thing to think of. Yeah. So one of J. Cole's album's names is uh, Born Winners. Uh, sorry. Well, look at me. <laughs> Born Sinners. So instead, we are like, how about Born Winners? And we ran with it. And that's, that's that. I mean, that's what... Yeah, as for the logo, as for the logo, that was purely almost create creation on that one. Um, for the podcast logo, that was all him. Beautifully done, by the way. Appreciate I mean, I love it, guys. I love you know the vision that you guys have, and I know you guys will continue to keep growing. And I see you're over everywhere with YouTube, cast Spotify, and Anchor, and um, I'm excited to see the growth that you guys have for the future because i can see it and you two you guys sound like you know what you're talking about you guys trust each other. that's really it it's the trust that you have in each other to know that no matter what how much work you put into it you guys have already succeeded right yep so um we appreciate that and we're just getting started we are really just getting started so absolutely um so one of the first things i wanted to talk about was the nba free agency i know we're hit nearing towards the end of july and there's still a lot of talks with a bunch of free agents and one of the more recent ones was harden signing a two-year deal to go back with the 76ers and jay Harden came out with he wants he, he wants that group to win but the problem is with what philly has right now is that even a championship, even an Eastern Conference Finals team? You see, I I don't believe so. Me personally, he took the pay cut. They grabbed what? P.J. Tucker. Does that put them over the top? I don't think so. And I mean, it looks good for Harden, but does it help the team? Like you said, I don't really think 
the Philly has done enough to go over the top, in my opinion. I think it depends. I think it depends on what version James Harden you're getting. Like, if you're getting, you know, Houston James Harden level production, which I think would be hard to do with Joel Embiid. But if you get if you get that that version of James Harden, I think it'll work out fine, and they can be, because you're not going to really find a better one-two punch um, outside of maybe you know Katie and Kyrie, I guess, if they're even on the Nets at that point, which it probably won't be. Um, and, and like you said, you know, even though they added PJ Tucker, it's not really much of a roster adjustment to this team to where right. you, you kind of say, are they moving up at any point? Because right. because it's not it's not a big jump. It's not like and you're also missing a, a lot of role players that Philly had, and they lost for that. They gave up a lot of role players and are still kind of rebounding after the trade from that. I mean, my my thing is, is Philly better than the Celtics? No. no. Is Philly better than the Bucks? A healthy Bucks? No. Is Philly better than Miami? No. Not in my opinion. Um, so, like, yeah, I don't think PJ Tucker was enough. I don't think Harden's pay cut was enough. But I, I mean, also look, think looks good. I think, I think what hurt them a lot is the fact that like he waited so long to do it. If he had announced he was doing this before free agency started, then they would have been able to go out and get some of these smaller level play, like uh, better role players to fill in the void. He waited until like a lot of these players are like gone now. So it's right. like he took the pay cut, but like who's left now to grab? And then also, I think you know. Yes, a pickup is nice. I'm sure Sixer fans would rather James Harden just be the Houston James Harden that's worth the max deal than this, you know, diminished version that they got last year. But it'll be very interesting to see how how Philly plays out next year, in my opinion. It will be. And then talks around Kevin Durant and the market where he goes, and it's kind of it's fading right now, and it's. We have heard talks about where he wants to go, but no deals have been made. Do you see a deal foreseeable future with Durant, or does he just have to tough it out and stay in Brooklyn? He would have to suck it up, in my opinion. Because, like, I just think what they're asking for is too much. And not that he's not worth it, but whatever team can give up that much for him, they will be out of championship contention once they make that trade for him because of all the stuff they gave up. So it's like, There'd be no point. Like, there's no point in, you know, uh, the Timberwolves trading Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards for him if that's going to make them a French playoff team in, in the end. So I think they're going to have to wait it out until that trade value comes down a little bit, and then they might be able to make a trade. Yeah, I definitely double down on that. I think, um, like Cam said, giving up your whole core, that kind of defeats the purpose of making a championship run. And, I mean, it's not, not really KD's fault, but he's – probably gonna have to just stay put for a little while maybe just work it out with Kyrie until we see what happens with that he might not go anywhere either at this rate so but so with both probably having to stay that it's gonna it's gonna be tough to suck it up after you know what they've gone through this past year with Brooklyn and they're still they're still a great team even with them but can they still, you know, is the chemistry there to where you see them improve from this past year? Well, I just don't think as great as KD is and as great as Kyrie is, I think we kind of saw this past playoffs that it just might not be enough. Like, and I, I don't hold on. I don't know if you saw that because there, there is one very big component that we're missing, and that is Ben Simmons. Uh, now, correct, now correct. I, I more than understand. I've bashed Ben it's, Simmons. It's very easy enough. to forget about him. Yeah, well, right. we, we, when, you, when you sit out the whole year, yeah, it's very <laughs> easy to forget about him. 
Um, but if he plays and if he's, you know, healthy and is the, you know, all NBA defensive player that he is, I think that that could be the push that they need, the edge they need, assuming they can fill out the rest of those um, role players. Um, but it all hinges on, I think, Ben Simmons and whether or not um, Katie and Kyrie can get it together on the court, off the court as well. Yeah, I definitely give you that one. Forgot about that. But. Right. And I mean, I think a lot of us forgot about Ben just because he's been really non-existent over the last year. And you kind of want to see, can he get back to that form for what he was in his first two years? I mean, that team, what the level of play that he was at and what he could do was great. And then this past season and even the season before, you kind of just see him fall off and just not show the interest that he once had. And it's tough to kind of get that back. But like you said, I think with Kyrie and KD, if no having no choice to come back and if Ben Simmons can be healthy, that team looks good. I just don't know if... Because it's still a tough one tough to look at in the East when you see a Celtics team that gained... They gained Malcolm Brogdon from... And Gallinari. And Gallinari. And just the Bucks are still... And with, with Chris Middleton have, coming back from injury and, you know, them reloading, I think it's going to be tough for Brooklyn to try to get there. So, a question about Boston. Does anyone else feel like Boston is just adding pieces with no actual regard with how they fit? Like, Brogdon and Gallinari are very big, like, additions, right? And they didn't really lose anybody. I'm just struggling to see between Tatum, Brown, Brogdon, Gallinari... Marcus Smart, um, anyone else on the team, like how they mesh together. Because there's a lot of people who I feel like feel like they're better than what they are. Outside of like Tatum and Brown, who are as good as what they think they are, almost anyway. Um, well, I I just feel like they're just great additions. I think mesh mesh wise, like I don't think Alanari's expected to play major minutes. Like like you said with Tatum and Brown and dumb dudes there, I don't think he's expected to do much but Brogdon I think is really the difference maker because they needed that guard and they needed that you know Marcus Smart as bad as he wants to be he's not a true point guard I know he's not happy about this because he was talking no. about how he was a true point guard and literally <laughs> two days later he go get Brogdon it's funny he says that like bro you won defensive player of the year like you know just take that you know with you and run with it like Facts. you don't have to be somebody you're not and in basketball it's just hard to try and be something you're not but I do think I do think they upgraded and I do think they could be dangerous again Um, I don't know I see some more confidence in the Celtics I do too and with what was interesting what I did see was Aiton had an opportunity to go to Indiana the deal that they offered but if Phoenix, Phoenix had to match it or he's going to the Pacers and they matched it so he's staying with Phoenix the problem I love Aiton but the problem is when I saw him playing the finals against Giannis he's not he's not you know aggressive for the boards he's not playing like the big he did the first 82 games of the year like it was so he's a great big but he's not tough like he's in, in the sense of you put Gobert down there, Giannis down there, or someone, or even like a 
even Jordan, like DeAndre Jordan or someone who 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 has been through that experience before, he's going to get out rebounded. He's going to get out muscled. Do you think if they added another, another addition to that Phoenix squad to kind of assist him in a sense, and it's, and especially now that the fact that Minnesota has two has pretty much Cat and Gobert, is that going to be tough for Phoenix not having that support with him as even a power forward? Um, I think it's a good point that they definitely would like as a team would want to add more rebounding because you're right, Aiden isn't you know, well he's not a bad rebounder, but he's not the most aggressive rebounder. Right. He's not going to get you you know sixteen rebounds a game or stuff like that. And you 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 put him against any other big man in the league who's one of the top rebounders in the game, like Gobert, Cat, or someone who's strong like that. It's going to be he's going to get outmatched. Of course, yeah. but the but the problem with like especially that that Timberwolves team is. With Gobert and Cat, I think they're going to get picked on a lot defensively. Like, if the Suns were to go a small ball lineup against them, I think, because who's Gobert guarding? Like, if they, if they, say, if they say take DeAndre Aiden and put him on the bench for like a spurt of like, you know, seven minutes, I don't know who Gobert's going to guard if they run a small ball lineup. He's going to get toasted at that point. So, but at the same time, though, sometimes the two big man lineup does work. You know, back in the bubble when we saw the Lakers do it with who they had. They had Howard, AD. They were building walls up there, and it worked for them. I mean, I understand the pick and roll and, you know, who he's going to guard. But if they can figure out the right way to do it or hide him somehow, some way, it it could work also. It's just that they're too big. They're so unlikable. Like, Rudy Gobert, (laughs) I still blame him for COVID. Don't care what anybody says. (laughs) And then Kat recently just been just – just so much talking. I'm just like, I love Anthony Edwards, though. Anthony Edwards is the GOAT. <laughs> but everyone, everyone, Hermit, he was, he was great. <laughs> if you guys saw the movie Hustle, you would know what I'm referring to. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. saw the movie. <laughs> oh. But, um, and then kind of switching, switching gears here uh, a minute. What if, since we have about two months before the season starts, kind of a way too early hot take. What is what is one hot take that you're willing to stand your ground on? And we'll start we'll start with Cam. What is one hot take that you're willing to stand your ground on? Cavs are going to conference finals. Ooh, <laughs> um, hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Relax. I know it's a hot take, but hear me out. somewhere now, not in a sense of like. They're going to be uh, one of the top two teams in the East. But kind of like how the Hawks had that run, um, not last year, but the year before when they made it. You know, a situation where they're not supposed to go be there. Something goes wrong with one of those teams that are. Um, I think Darius Garland's going to have a big bounce back year. And not bounce back year. He's going to continue on his year last year. I think Evan Mobley is really that guy. And he's going to take that step up. I think... Um, the guy, actually, I can't pronounce his name, but the guy that we drafted out of, Ed. yeah, I think he looked decent in the summer league. Um, and then getting Colin Sexton back, who they didn't have last year, they were great last year without Colin. I think he's gonna be he's gonna be there. He's gonna be very good off the bench for them. And I think they're making the conference finals. I'm not saying they might lose in five, but I think they're <laughs> making it. That's my hot take. Okay, damn. 
man. That was a little spicy. Ooh, that was. Spicy. I didn't have nothing spicy like that. But... <laughs> I've had that in the back of my head for a minute now. I've been waiting to let it out. That was a minute. That, that was, was like juice there. Yeah, like you've been wanting to say that. But... Yes, sir. <laughs> I guess I'll say my medium. And I'll go with medium take. Uh, my medium take. I'm going with the. Uh... So a lot of people. And initially in this past finals, people did predict the Celtics to take this, which is just crazy to me. But my medium take is the Bucks go to the finals, easily packing out the Celtics. Um, I know I said Malcolm Brogdon's a good addition, but the season boys, Giannis, Middleton, they got uh, Portis back. Uh, Holiday's still there. I think Bucks go back to the chip. I don't know who they play, but I guarantee it. Guarantee it, the bus. So, 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 so the team with the best player in the league going to the finals—that's your hot take. Well, no, because people are predicting the Celtics to go back again and again. Yeah. So I, I like, I like that hot take because I, I can see Giannis giving the Cavs some trouble. Right. I can. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I said it was a medium take. It was a medium take, but. Like I said, the Celtics were pretty uh, overhyped this yeah. past playoff run when they, you know, I don't know. I don't think they're, I think they, if had Middleton been healthy, they would, this wouldn't even be a conversation. So, for sure. Yeah. So, I have one. It, it kind of hurts me personally because uh, I'm a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lakers don't make the playoffs for Oof. the second show. Two years straight? Here's why. Here's why. That year that they had that bubble run, to be honest, the only reason they made the finals and won a championship was probably due to COVID. The Clippers were supposed to be above them. There were so many other better teams leading up to the playoffs that were so much better than them that I had my doubts. I understand. And I was happy that they won, but then you hear the asterisk, like that wasn't a real title. And I'm like, you're probably right because they did the best with what they had. And then looking at this last year with LeBron aging, with no, really no role players stepping up. You had Austin Reeves. It wasn't great. I mean, even some of the role players that they had were just not fulfilling what they had. And then Westbrook was just, oh my goodness, I can't even. (laughs) With Westbrook, you know, playing like he was he was trying to play like he was at OKC and AD kind of on and off with him hurt and just not playing well. And then gosh, 33 and 49 was the record. And it still hurts me to this day, but I, it's, it, it's hard for me to say as a Lakers fan that they can't make it, but with them not showing any improvement with them, not really committing to more, role players and committing to wanting to rebuild and Rob Palenka not doing anything they're not going to improve and they're not going to make the playoffs I'm sorry to say it they're I, not. I think I can see where your take is coming from I think if Anthony Davis can manage for once in his life to play a full healthy season like, uh-huh. like if he can play a full healthy season LeBron does what LeBron does and Westbrook just, just relaxes a little bit I can see you guys at the bottom of the playoffs. I can see it. I mean, I can, I, yeah. It's barring just, health, I can, I can see them making the playoffs. Can I see them going far? Not unless something drastically changes. Um, now, if they get Kyrie, <laughs> then that's that's, that's, a, that's a different story. That's funny, that's right? Oh, yeah. 
I would love to see Kyrie. Is, the problem is, if we don't get Kyrie, then we wasted the whole offseason for nobody. Yeah. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here buddy. He is it is, is is maybe. The Lakers will have spent less money than people who are buying the next 2K will. People who buy 2K <laughs> like offseason. $150 price yeah. tag. They will have spent more money than the Lakers did this offseason. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it does depend on if, if they can unload Westbrook, which I don't see really happening anymore, but um, they can manage to unload him and get a Kyrie in return. Man, that changes everything. But again, I still do think you guys could make the playoffs just health wise, based off health. So I wouldn't write them off completely. If you, if you were to take out an injury out of the situation, yeah, they, they'd easily make the playoffs. But the real world is you have guys who get hurt. AD has been consistently getting hurt. You know, LeBron is not getting any younger. He's trying, but he's not averaging, you know, his 30 points per game or even 35. It's more of like the 20 25s. And. He can't do it by himself. No. Well, actually, I heard AD's taking measures to, you know, be healthy this year. Um, he's practicing. So what he's doing is he's just not stepping on the court until the season starts. He's, <laughs> he's just not shooting basketball. He's and just not doing what he could be doing. <laughs> just playing it safe is what you would call it. I saw what? Anthony Davis in the gym with Lethal Shooter. What? He was shooting a basketball? Yeah, man. <laughs> That's crazy. Who <laughs> thought Anthony Davis practicing in the offseason? <laughs> Shout out to him, who, man. Who would have thought? Right. <laughs> it's a miracle. I still can't get over the whole I haven't touched a basketball since, since the April comment yeah, he made. Was, that was just very... Um, all right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Guys. When we come back, I have my one-on-one Hooper profile with... Cave Henry Collegiate Strength head, head Strength and Conditioning Coach Phil Rackoff. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Hoop Jack Podcast Series, guys. And today we have a very special guest, graduate from ECU, VCU, and now the head strength and conditioning coach for Cape Henry Collegiate School. We have Mr. Phil Rykoff. Phil, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for contacting me and looking forward to talking. So you are an alumni from Cape Henry and kind of growing up in the area. How did you kind of get involved into the world of sports? Yeah, so uh, basically the way it kind of went for me is I always loved, loved sports, loved participating in it, loved watching it, loved rooting for teams. Um, and, and basically I gravitated to basketball um, from a young age. My dad uh, played basketball growing up, so he kind of, um, you know, out in, the, out in the backyard shooting around and stuff like that to start and then as time progressed um, I'm not that tall and I'm not that fast so I figured that um, and, and kind of with my dad helping me the only way that I was going to be able to compete and continue to play is to figure out a way to close the gap between my kind of genetic ceiling and where I wanted to you know how I wanted to play so we started um, around 12 or 13 my dad took me in a, into a weight room and kind of taught me the basics. And uh, I just felt immediate confidence on the core. And uh, I felt like it kind of closed, like I said, kind of closed the gap between me and some of my teammates or people I was competing against. Um, and then from then, it was just basically me trying to figure out, you know, always trying to level up. And I couldn't, you know, I was always reading and trying to learn another edge and another technique or another thing I could use to to help me and then that kind of led me down the path of of where i am now 
And being at Cape Henry, you've been here since what grade? Yeah, I started at Cape Henry in the first grade. Okay, yeah. so pretty much almost a lifer at yeah, Cape yeah, Henry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the legacies here, and then. Like you said, growing up playing sports, you did middle school JV, and then even you made the varsity team. Mm -hmm. uh, but around that time, there was a coaching change, I believe. It used to be Coach Ward as the head basketball coach, and then it moved to uh, head coach Hall. And you guys had a great run. I believe it was your senior year. Fantastic year, finishing it off with the state title. Walk me through that season of how it progressed to the ultimate culmination of a title. Yeah, so I, we had a really, really special group of guys. I mean, out of our five starters, four played Division One basketball, um, and Devin Hall was playing professionally. Um, they just won the Italian championship in, in Italy. So, I did see that. Yeah, and uh, he was a starter at UVA. And um, like I said, out of our five starters, four played Division One basketball, and then Chris Clark actually came off the bench for us, and he and he went on to play ACC um, basketball also. So we had a really, really talented roster. Um, I think in hindsight, having the coaching change helped me a lot working with other coaches because throughout my career, I've worked under a lot of different coaches with a lot of different approaches and personalities. So from a young age, um, and you know, I, I did, I played for Larry Ward for one season on varsity, with, with varsity basketball, but I worked his camps every summer. Um, I was kind of around him um, from the first grade, you know, till my junior year. So I really had a good understanding of what, what he was like and what, what he wanted and what he valued. Um, but then to have it changed up my senior year, I think really benefited me in the long run because I learned how to adapt to other perspectives. Um, and then ultimately, like you said, finishing off with a state championship my senior year, um, it really started kind of piquing my interest in what it takes to have a winning team and a winning culture. Um, and then, you know, stacking that with other experiences, different places, I think now I can really look at a group and watch them practice and watch them interact and, and get a feel for if they have what it takes, not just talent-wise, but all the intangibles. Because I've been around winning from a young age, but I've also been around losing and, and when it doesn't go well. So I think all those experiences have kind of kind of come together to, to now I can offer some value. It gives you that mindset to know that what it, like you said, what it takes and the concept of you lose, but there's still, you you've laid out the groundwork to where you can fix it and to win you realize you know this is how you got to keep it up exactly right i, I kind of feel like talent talent sets your floor mm -hmm. but but your culture and how you act and how you how you practice and how you approach things sets your ceiling and i think that that really was in, ingrained early on where we had a really high talent but i think the reason we want to stay championship is because everything else we did was was on point absolutely and continuing and you go go into your college career, you went to ECU studying health and human performance, and then after your time at East Carolina, you went for your master's program at VCU for sport sport um, sport leadership, mm -hmm. correct? That's right. But yeah. then all that culminated into getting a opportunity as the strength and conditioning coach to at VCU for your I'm guessing student internship or even mm -hmm. leading in a sense to what you want to do and you've worked with a few teams you worked with the men's and women's tennis program men's golf program men's and women's I'm assuming that's hammer throw yeah we were we was all throwers so it was uh, shot put discus javelin um and, and uh yeah shot put discus and javelin so what was that experience like to kind of build 
what you're doing now, which is strength and conditioning. How did that help you uh, kind of understand the different mechanics of everything and what different sports need? Yeah, so one thing that I, I think is really important as a young strength coach, performance coach, is to be a generalist. So to work with a lot of different teams and a lot of different environments and a lot of different personalities because you'll have a different personality between a college golfer and a college defensive lineman, you know? So the way you approach that is a, is a different, not just from the workouts you write, but how you interact with them. Uh, male, female, um, and all the different different groups that are on a college campus. So my very first job in, in performance was at East Carolina and uh, we had all of our athletic teams in one weight room, which nowadays is really unique because a lot of universities will have the basketball weight room and the baseball weight room and the football weight room. But at the time in East Carolina, we had everyone under one roof and we had five strength coaches. So everyone worked with football, um, but then they were also assigned basketball or different sports. So uh, me as a, uh, as a part-time strength coach there, I worked with all the teams because if if you're the head strength coach for basketball, but football has a lift, well, you have to be with football. So then I would take basketball. So I was able to kind of work with a lot of groups and have direct oversight and kind of run my own sessions really at an early age uh, with a lot of diverse groups because I could go from men's basketball to girls soccer to football, you know, so, and you can imagine how different those workouts are. So. Going from there, from East Carolina, um, working under and my head, my my the head coach I worked under was Jeff Connors, and um, kind of legendary guy in the field. So I was able to to watch and learn how he did things, and then going to Virginia Commonwealth, I was a graduate assistant there. So um, how that works is I'm a I'm a full time strength coach and a part time student. Okay. Um, so I, I had yeah I was the head strength coach for the teams you listed: throwers, uh, men's golf, and men's and women's tennis. Um, and then I took classes at night um, okay. as part of that, which was a great, a great deal and a great blessing because the school, part of your compensation is a scholarship for grad school. So um, school is paid for that way. So it's a kind of a work study, uh, which worked out, worked out great. Uh, we were able to win a lot and accomplish a lot there um, and, and learn a ton, again, about diverse groups because a female thrower, a, a female shot putter that squats 500 pounds is different than a female a soccer player you know it's just different mentalities different personalities so trying to learn how to be myself but also impact winning with all those different groups um, I think really really helped me grow and like I said we were able to have a lot of success there in the Atlantic 10 conference and then um, and then my last year there the Wizards were actually having their training camp at VCU so before the Wizards built their own practice facility they would come to Richmond and um, stay there for, uh, I think it was 10 days, two weeks, and they would have training camp at VCU. So I worked as the liaison between the university and the team. So anything the team needed um, from the university, a hot tub, a cold tub, um, they needed access to the weight room, they wanted to get in the training room, tape ankles, they needed fingernail clippers, I mean, anything that the university could provide the team, um, I, I, I kind of made that happen. So. That's how I first met the staff at the Wizards. And then um, I finished, so they did training camp, they left, I was at VCU for the remainder of that school year and that NBA season. And uh, just kept in touch with them and, um, and chatted throughout the season. And then the following NBA season, I think it was the 18-19 NBA season, um, the last normal one before yeah. COVID shut down, um, was, the, was the year I was with them. 
um, as a as a strength conditioning intern. So I assisted in all aspects of performance with the Wizards, and it was just an incredible experience. And then, like you said, that experience could have been one to die for, just working with that team mm-hmm. and just that group of guys, and I know it could be great. And like you said, it was the last normal season before everything hit. When that hit, I know as when I've talked to student athletes, when I've talked to coaches, everything kind of just stopped. Mm-hmm. What was that like knowing that you being an intern with the Wizards, there's no basketball, there's not really much open, and especially you're around D.C. at the time, it's mm-hmm. very hectic. Were you able – what was kind of the mental process going, okay, this is what I need to do now to kind of keep moving forward? Yeah, so the timeline of things, actually, I got really I got really lucky. And the timeline of COVID, you know, I know some athletes that their career got cut short because of, of COVID because they needed to go travel and go do a tryout, and they couldn't travel and go do a tryout, you know. So COVID really stunted the careers of a lot of coaches and athletes because, like you're saying, it just stopped. And we couldn't, you couldn't come in and just observe and network and meet a coach because they weren't letting random people right. into facilities. So um, I got really lucky, or just the way kind of the timeline of life was working. I finished the season with the Wizards, 18-19. The following, that summer, so I finished the, the season with the, the Wizards, um, and we were having a lot of turnover at the time in the organization. The general manager uh, had gotten let go and replaced. And uh, as you know, when the, it's like if the CEO of a company gets, gets let go, no one else knows if their job is secure, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I was trying to decide what my next move was, I couldn't really, I couldn't really bank on stability there in DC because they were just having a lot of turnover. So I kind of had to take control of my own, my own situation. I came back home and, um, and, and came and met with Jeannie Short, mm-hmm. our, our current athletic director, who was athletic director when we were students here. Right. And I had um, kept in touch with her over the years, just because, you know, just because we've known each other. Um, and when I came back home, I asked her, "Hey, could we meet and chat? Kind of an idea, something I want to talk to you about." And this was in May of 2019. Um, so we met, and I, I asked her, "Hey, Cape Henry's never had a strength coach. Um, they've they've never really had an organized." Um, uh, performance program we have a really unique situation that we have pre-k through 12 all on one campus so we have the ability to develop kids really like from from the very beginning all the way to college athletics um, and then also teaching people lifelong fitness and health habits because you know what one percent ish of high school athletes compete in college so really the majority of kids that I'm working with aren't gonna be college athletes or professional athletes um, so what I want to do is provide them the confidence to walk into a rec center or a gym on a college campus and they have a lifelong love of fitness. So that was basically my pitch to, to Ms. Short and, um, and she, she was excited about it. And then from then on we, were, we worked to, to create a position. You know, this is a brand new position so we created that together. Uh, we built a new weight room together um, and then COVID hit. Um, so I was actually a part-time employee at Cape Henry, building the position with Ms. Short and Dr. Garen, our head of school. Um, we were fundraising for a new weight room. We had just raised a, t- a lot of money for our, our new facility. So that was in motion. Um, I think our major fundraiser was like in January 2020, and I think March 2020 is when everything kind of shut down. So just to kind of give a timeline of things, I got um, just trajectory of life. You know, you don't know where, you know, right place at right time. 
Um, but I was here, I was in, and I, I was working here when COVID hit. So, um, and then I, and then I, we went remote for a little bit. We did name it COVID wise. We did, you know, temperature checks, outdoor workouts, no equipment workouts, zoom workouts, YouTube workouts. I mean, did everything you know, you we did. had uh, right now, like this morning at 7am, we had about uh, 20 students working out. Uh, when we first got the weight room back open, we had an eight person limit, you know, and we were all masked, you know, so just to, you know, we, we did it all, but thankfully just career wise, super lucky and blessed that I was, I was here and I, I had, a, I, I was in, um, when COVID hit, because you're right. I know a lot of folks, coaches and athletes that, that COVID really threw a wrench in things. And I know that the, at the times that we were here, the weight room itself was just like a basic weight room. Like mm-hmm. you would go to the, like the one that you would go to the rec center. But I know with Cape Henry with funding and everything, with the generous grants that this school gets, it's mm-hmm. amazing. And now that facility is probably one of the best in the area. It looks spick and spam, it's clean. What's kind of that feeling for kids or even us looking from the outside in seeing the progress that the school is taking to and like you said give kids who don't make it give them that lifelong physical activity or give them the benefits of this is what you could do like what's what is like what what was your take on the growth of you know this facility yeah so cape henry i think uh we, they ju- we just released our new five-year strategic plan, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the pillars is uh, promoting wellness with our students, our teachers, and uh, the greater community of our families. Um, now, wellness is a really broad topic, but fitness, personal fitness, is part of, of general wellness. So I think the school's overall investment in um, the, the holistic student, the all-around student, mm-hmm. um, is something that that really excites me and makes me want to be here for a long time because they don't just invest in the student academically. We don't just invest athletically. You know, we invest in the entire all-around student. I mean, we have a global studies program that take our students all around the world. Um, so we're really trying to produce students that that are really, really well-rounded and really, really uh, competent at a lot of different things and confident. So, um, so yeah, with us building the new weight room, I mean, we had a lot of, we had a lot of goals as far as we wanted it to be welcoming. We wanted it to be um, somewhere that people wanted to be. We didn't want it to be an intimidating place. Um, we have a lot of natural light in there. We've got a lot of uh, windows. It's a very open space. Um, you know, we do have uh, barbells and dumbbells and racks and platforms, but it, it doesn't give off a feel of a of a powerlifting dungeon, you know, mm-hmm. because that's not our community. That's not the. That's not what's going to attract our students in there. It's not what's going to attract a, a female athlete to come and join the room. So we had to make a room that was really open and inviting and exciting. Um, and then obviously, whenever you design a facility, the number one thing is safety. So we we took out some interior walls to provide cleaner sight lines, so that I could stand in the middle of the room and see the whole space. Um, so that I can observe, not only make sure the exercises are going right, but make sure that a dumbbell doesn't get dropped in someone's foot, you know, right. or, or something silly where, where people can get hurt pretty easily. So, um, so yeah, the school's investment in, in student well-being um, has been really, really exciting, and our community is really excited, like you said. I mean, I think we had, we had an unbelievable outpouring of support uh, financially for the new, the new facility. Um, 
and I've worked in, like we've talked about, college and professional weight rooms, and we're really lucky to be on on par or better than a lot of a lot of those places, which is which is awesome. And I know coming back to Cape Henry, it's kind of the dream to you know be a part of the growth of where you had been a part of with seeing kids move up and graduate from this school. What are some of the goals that you would want to achieve? Like staying here would be the lifelong goal, trying to improve the program here or even set it up to where you've done everything that you can and eventually move forward to say, help another school or even help another program develop to what it can become. What are some of the goals that you would want to achieve? Yeah, so I think in, in the profession of coaching, right, strength coaching or sport coaching, you know, the nature of it is you move around a lot, you know. I mean, most of the time you spend no more than three years at a location, you know, and then you're you're trying to climb the ladder or, or strategically move yourself around the country so that you can you can kind of elevate yourself. Right. Um, that was never something that I was super excited about doing. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was – uh, my plan was to be a college strength coach or a professional strength coach. I wasn't super keen on the idea of uh, either be me by myself, uprooting and moving consistently. That that part I wasn't that worried about. But my thought was if I had a family, um, I wouldn't want to every three, five years uproot them um, to try to chase a bigger logo, you know, right. a bigger conference or, or whatever it might be. So... Um, but I knew that was part of the game. You know, I knew it was part of it. So I was ready to kind of go that route because it's, it's what I wanted to do. But being able to find a situation here in my hometown, um, it is where I went to school, which is, an, is, a, is a really special element to it. But I think the bigger part is that, you know, um, I see my parents a couple days a week, you know. Um, my fiance, she's from here. Her family's here. Um, we just bought a house here. So we have the ability to really lay roots here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's just so unique in this profession. So it's something that I'm really lucky to have. I kind of feel like I struck, struck gold with, um, with just the, the scenario I'm in. So, and, I, and, and secondly, I love the youth development space. Um, I think there's a lot, it's a lot of untapped potential um, because physical education um, has kind of had peaks and valleys over the history of it. I think we've had some really good periods of time in our history as far as educating kids from a movement standpoint. Um, and I think that over the past handful of years, it's, it's fallen off, you know? And I think that we see that come to fruition when we look at the adult population and the health issues that we have as a nation. So uh, one thing that I'm really interested in is trying to provide our students with the foundation that they don't have to deal with the uh, lifelong health, wellness, movement limitations that a lot of the kind of typical American might deal with. Um, You know, that's kind of on the lifestyle, like wellness side of it. And then from a performance side, um, I know working at the college and pro level, we have, you know, you, you have kids redshirt and they redshirt often because they're physically not ready. Not because they were given a scholarship because their skills are ready, but they're not on the field or not on the court because they're physically not ready. It's the same reason why almost no freshman football players play because football is a physical game and they're not physically mature enough or ready to play. So that's why it's very rare you see a freshman in college football have a big, have a big year or play at all. Um, so, so all that to be said is I want to give our students that do want to play college athletics kind of the leg up so that when they do get on campus, maybe they're a bit more physically ready. Um, they know how to do the exercises properly so they don't get injured when they're trying to catch up. Um, 
you know, and, and I think that it gives them an advantage on their competition, but it also gives them an advantage within their own team trying to get playing time over another freshman that has never been exposed to this stuff. Um, so I love where I'm at, and I feel super lucky to be where I'm at. Um, and Kate Henry says supported it uh, uh, incredibly. So um, I, would, I would like to grow this as much as we possibly can and, uh, and see kind of where it can take us. And my last question is, what advice would you give to high school athletes, even the athletes that you're working with, on the opportunity to get that chance to play at the college level or even pursue a career in the sports world? What would be your advice to them? Yeah, so I think twofold. If you're an athlete, if you're a current high school athlete that has aspirations to play in college, um, I, I would really recommend, depending on how far along you are, you know, how, how old you are, I really recommend trying to get your, your arms around exactly what that totally means, you know, because it is a lot and it is not always all fun. And you have to keep in mind that your coach, your college coach, their livelihood is on the line when they recruit you. Because if they sign a bunch of bad recruits, they're not going to have their job very often. Or they're not going to have their job very long, I mean. And that's going to affect their family. Their kids are going to have to move schools. And it's, this, it's a very pressure cooker environment. So I think that as a, as a high school athlete aiming to play in college, you need to understand that you're, you're in the big leagues now. You know, I mean, this stuff matters. And um, it matters more than just than just having fun or competing to win. I mean, there's dollars and cents at stake, there's livelihoods at stake. So I think understanding that and understanding what a day in a life looks like of a college athlete. I mean, when I was at East Carolina, our freshman um, and redshirt football guys lifted from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. Then they would go to breakfast after that, they would shower, then they go to class, right? And their entire day was, was class and football, you know? And then study hall in the evening, and then back in the weight room the next morning at 5 a.m., you know? So that's not gonna be the same lifestyle as your non-athlete, you know? So on Thursday night, when your friends are all going out, you know, you have 5 a.m. runs. So it's not gonna be the same. So I think trying to really understand that because it's, a dis it's disappointing when you get to a situation that you're excited about and it's not what you thought it was. Mm -hmm. So that's what I would recommend for, the, for someone looking to play college athletics. Um, and then if someone were to get into coaching, I think the number one thing is to try to get in some environments that you can watch a lot of different stuff. Um, try to get around coaches that have been around. You know, like I mentioned my first boss, uh, Jeff Connors. Um, he worked at East Carolina and then he was at uh, UNC Chapel Hill um, and then back at East Carolina. Um, and he was a master strength coach. He's in the Strength Coaching Hall of Fame. Um, a really, really well-known well, well -known coach. Um, I didn't know that when I went to ECU, but what I did know about ECU is that they had, they had big athletics. They were, they were not Power Five, but they call it the American Conference is what they're in. They call it the Power Six. So it was one outside of that, which in my mind, it sounds kind of crazy that I was strategizing all this as a senior in high school, but in my mind, I thought, okay, if I go to Alabama, they might be too big where all I'm doing is cleaning benches and, and, and stocking the shelves. But maybe if I can find a middle ground where it's not a small school that's got like, that doesn't have the name recognition because you need that resume wise and word of mouth wise, but it's not, it's not so big that I won't be able to even get in the room or I'll just have to clean up. Maybe at a school like East Carolina, I can kind of 
I can kind of get the best of both worlds where I can coach and, and learn and, and be part of it, but also have the, the logo, which it, it matters because people recognize it. And, and then the coaches have coaches they know, so your circle grows. So I would recommend if someone wants to get into coaching, try to find an environment where it's big enough that it puts you on a platform, but, but not so big that you're, you're washed away just in the big machines. So that's kind of like a big zoomed out advice because the coaching world is a real hard thing to break into. And we could probably do a whole chat on, on so you want to be a strength coach or, or something like that. Um, but, but that's my first recommendation is um, during undergrad, try and get into the weight room and, and help it however you can. All right. Well, thank you, Phil, for taking the time to come on the show. And I can't wait to see how big, you know, the strength and conditioning program can grow here. It sounds like you have overwhelming support from not only the staff, but from the community as well. And the kids, from what I've seen from videos and posts, they really appreciate the opportunity to have the kind of equipment and the kinds of fields that we can have to practice endure and continue to play at a further level so i want to thank you for taking the time for this yeah absolutely thanks for coming by and uh and talk to you soon no problem we'll be right back with more hoop jack guys so stay tuned and we're back guys so i want to thank phil for taking the time to come on the show and i wish him the best of luck moving forward and hopefully his success with his alma mater now for the next topic um there's been a lot of craziness over this last year with teams uh, especially at the college world, we had big things happening with conferences switching, conferences changing, and, and mainly it's the two big ones. It's the Pac-12 and the Big 12. And the more recent ones were USC and UCLA, the two big California schools leaving the Pac-12. And more, it was talked about that there was more on the way, and there was even talks of a possible merger between the two conferences now mainly i've heard it's for football but it can affect probably all the sports in general but with that merger what kind of you know do we see at a point where conferences become non-existent i don't know how soon that will happen but i don't know if they'll be non-existent more as irrelevant because the way it's looking now um, at least for the big ones, right? The Big Ten and SEC are going to just dominate for the right. foreseeable future. Um, granted, do I think U- USC and UCLA are really, like, great teams? Like, not really. But they're big-name teams. And, you know, a California team being in the Big Ten is going to attract a lot of people. Um, I don't know if conferences are going away, but I do think it's going to become, like, the Big Ten and SEC invitational come playoff time, to be honest. Which will probably lead them adding more playoff spots because those te- not all those teams can make it in when they all have to play each other. Right. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I think this, it sucks because a lot of this is revolving around money, like you know, TV networks and lack of you know people even caring about certain teams and. I think I agree. I think conferences will eventually just be more so irrelevant than diminished, I guess. Um, but I guess we'll have to see what happens with that. I think, like you said, the top the top two teams, the top two conferences are going to be, you, you said the, it was the Big Big Ten and the SEC. They're the two big conferences. And then there was also the fact that Oklahoma and Texas 
are leaving to go play. I think it was the SEC. Yeah. And Texas football at SEC, Alabama, Texas. Whoa, that's going to be fun. Also, I think Texas is making a big mistake. I don't think Texas needs to have any smoke with the SEC. I don't think no, they, I don't they, think can, they, they can't they even can. handle the lower teams in the Big 12. <laughs> I don't know what they think they're doing coming to SEC. They're right. going to be model. Like, teams like, like um, my, my school, Kentucky, they're not the best SEC team, right? But they, they compete, and they would wax the doors off of Texas. Texas <laughs> about to get embarrassed every year, yeah. more so than they already do. But, but and like you and like you said, like this this merger and some teams switching, they're not necessarily, you know, high profile. Like you said, Texas is great in their conference. Moving to an SEC conference, they start losing to teams like Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, all of them. And you see the decline, that's where it's yeah. a problem. And the same yeah. with Oklahoma. They were great in their conference. You try to move to a top-tier conference, you're going to get smacked every week. Um, yeah. Oklahoma, I can I can understand Oklahoma, you know, doing what they did, you know, because they, they've been a top team for years, for, for some years now. Granted, they might have been up more than they can chew, but I can see them, you know, having the audacity. Texas has been a four-loss <laughs> team every year. Minimum four losses. So, yeah. they're about to become a six-loss team. They They'll be a six and six team real quick. Yeah. Since Vince Young was there. Yeah. <laughs> but 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 with with these teams merging and with football, I know it's gonna it's gonna affect a lot of the teams these teams who do switch, especially with when it comes to bowl games, if more losses means you're not getting to the bowl. And yeah. moving even with basketball, you know, more as switching conferences, you have a tough time making it to the Nat to the NCAA tournament with that, you know, that tougher competition. And is it is it worth it? I mean, is money is money worth it after switching and not seeing success? I mean sometimes I, money rules everything, I, man. I mean I mean I, I it, it it's what I can't remember when we say it. it's all about the money. It's all about the money. <laughs> Right. Or my fire, show me the money. My <laughs> thing is like you know, the money's definitely affecting it, and really, it's it's showing what these schools and these teams are—a business. Mm-hmm. They they don't really care about winning. If you cared about winning and having a, a prestigious you know football team, you would have stayed in the Big Twelve, Texas, and not right. left to go get Marlowe up Alabama every year, right? Um, but what but the money's in the SEC, and that's where they'd rather go. Um, so money is definitely the driving factor. It's not winning football. It's not putting on getting. And I can hear the argument of, oh, they're in the SEC. Maybe they get better recruits. Um, not if they keep losing. Exactly. And the, the players are still going to rather. They're still going to want to go to Alabama or wherever the, they want to go. The irony. So, the irony is, and I and I laugh. Um, the fact that Texas moved after just landing Arch Manning. Uh, you you've lost your mind. Yeah. He's not gonna stay at Texas <laughs> and get smoked every week by an Auburn defense or an Alabama defense. And Texas has never been known to have great offensive lines either, so good luck, Archie Manning. Yeah. But um but what I do see with the fact that and the, I'm kinda switching gears here, um being since I've 
miss the vi- video game so much. A lot of these schools have been making are starting to offer their licensure and make money that way through the what's going next year's lead out of the NCAA football game, which I can't wait for. I'm definitely gonna buy it when it comes out. Um, but could you see more of that happening where you kind of see schools venturing for, like you said, it's a business to where that can come back as since NCAA video games have been non-existent for years and now with the NIL and kids doing whatever they want and schools now doing whatever they want. Can you see where, you know, conference, like the the level of play is just going to kind of go down? Um, level of play, I'm not too sure because... You're going to have the dogs regardless on every team. Somebody's going to be good. There's going to be, you know, star players regardless. But as far as, you know, these schools and like we said, it's really just a business. They're going to be selling their licensing. They're going to be doing anything to try to get money like within their institution. So even being a regular college student, you can see how much <laughs> see how much college is a business. You get you have to pay for every single thing. But I don't know. I don't think it weakens, you know, the level of play throughout college football, but I think honestly, I think NIL and like all the I think it's gonna do nothing but make college football more entertaining because what you're gonna get now is more people going to other schools than maybe they would have before. Right? Yeah. I think you're gonna get people going to a school that you know they might have wanted to go to before. Right. But like because now it's like, you know, cool. I can go to Alabama, sit three years, go to the NFL, right? And the goal is, but this is my only way to get money, is to go to the NFL and Alabama will take me there. Now these players will say, yo, I can make some money and, you know, maybe not. Maybe the NFL is not the biggest need right now. I can stay four years, get name, image, likeness, and make money off of that. And, you know, so I think it might diversify things a little bit because a lot of these schools have money. Um, now, I know there's an argument about the top schools will just take all the players, but each school only has however many people on the roster. Right, so ideally, I, Alabama can't take everybody, you know. Um, but yeah, I think again, it's a business. I cannot wait for NCAA football to come back. Um, you know, playing them games, especially with the 04 Mike Vick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I cannot that, that I cannot wait for that to come back. Give me off of Madden. Play me in something, man. <laughs> me. Side note: Me and Cameron's uh, Xbox. Versus, no matter what it is, 2K Madden is always something a sight to see. <laughs> Especially the Madden games, man. It's, it's always one way or the other. <laughs> one of us. <laughs> it's, it's never a just a uh, good see. game. Yeah. Like, honestly, I feel like most times we play, there's almost we almost never finish the game. Someone quits. <laughs> like, like if I if I were to see all guys, I feel like there, there would be a controller sized hole in the wall. Somewhere. Oh man, oh. I can't. Let, let, you know what? I'll, I won't even expose. We'll leave it. We'll leave it there. Let's just let's just say, man. When I was younger, back in my younger days, I did not take losing very kindly. Did <laughs> Chris? I've seen, I've seen it all, I, man. I I was bad. I, I remember one time I had a PlayStation controller. I lost. I calmly got up, unplugged the controller, started swinging it around by the cord, went outside, smashed it on the ground. <laughs> and I did that extremely calm, but just like internally. Just burning. 
Um, <laughs> bet. Um, uh, before we close it out here, guys, um, I want to thank uh, you guys for coming on, but also I want to thank our affiliates. We work. I work with Boosted Biz to get our merch line out there. Kenichi Bear, they make a great headphones. Check out the Hypernation Fives, and also check out Moolah Kicks, the high performing basketball shoes for women's women's hoopers. You guys can go check it out, Moolah Kicks on Instagram, and. Uh, before we close it out, what I like to do is, um, because I want to make sure, like, everyone who have had how on is okay, I like to do, like, a little mental moment, mindful moment, just to see how everyone's doing mentally-wise. So, guys, what's, what's, how's, mentally, are you, have you guys been okay since, you know, kind of COVID has been hopefully on the wayside, but we're trying to get back to a, a sense of normality. Uh, have you guys been able to kind of get back to what you all used to do? Like, and everything like that. Well, first off, I uh, appreciate that, Chris, because not a lot of people, you know, tap into people's mental and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've definitely been trying to get back to normal. It's been a rough couple years. It was hard being locked in the house and not being able to do stuff. But I've been pretty much full throttle, man, trying to live life, I can say. So it's a blessing. Yeah, I'd say about the same, man. Like, you know, it's been a really, it's been some weird times the past couple of years. Everything is just weird. You don't know what to trust on the internet. Everyone's saying all this stuff. But, um, you know, I'm just pushing through everything. You know, ups and downs come with everyone's life. But I would say, at least for me right now, man, things are looking up. You know, we got the Boom Winners podcast up and booming. Yes, sir. You know, things in my personal life was, you know, jobs and other side endeavors are going well right now. So, you know, I'm pretty positive on the future outlook right now. That's good to hear, guys. And I know that it was it was even tough for me too, just trying to find after you know my work got done. And um, for for anyone listening who's new, and for you guys too, I teach. So dealing with kids all day, you know my you know limit for patience is very high to a degree <laughs> I, I don't yell unless i have to and when i yell it gets quiet really quick man very Teach- high level of patience yeah. Teach- teaching the kids man beautiful job happy you're doing it could um, not be me i do not have the patience <laughs> it, 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 it's, a, it's a blessing and a curse not indeed saying, I mean, there are days when i'm just like i want to hit my head against the wall because these kids are there. <laughs> The other time, I'm just like, these kids, man, I like these kids. They <laughs> better. But uh, it's, it, and especially it was hard when COVID hit because you had all the kids not knowing what to do. And it was tough because I've never, in our generation, we've never had to do go through that where we were home for a long period of time and we didn't know how to entertain ourselves. When we were kids, we entertained ourselves by going outside. We went to the park. We, we were outdoor kids right for these sure. kids now are so dependent on technology they're so dependent on an ipad or video games or something like that they never just rode their bike in the neighborhood or you know went to the park to go shoot hoops or even you know climb i mean they, these kids can climb trees but still you know these kids are just fascinating to just watch and just how when especially when they're very up to date on like current events like when i and this is kind of when i was teaching um 
I teach PE, so I have like the kids when it's their, you know, it's their free time. They think it's their free time, but you know, and everything like that. We had the kids, you know, playing a game. Um, they were playing red light, green light, and they were treating it like it was Squid Games. <laughs> I'm, Gotta love it. One, how are y'all able to watch that? <laughs> I'm just letting you know these are not like middle school kids who I'm like okay these are like elementary kids oh my I gosh oh and I'm just like yo what? <laughs> yeah I have that access man the social media the internet it's that. it's crazy how much access they have to stuff that we weren't we didn't need back then because we were all outside we were doing something right. we were it's, it's scary how much yeah. access they have to things I remember like for us man like you know, we, we didn't have that much access to things. So I remember, like, one of, like, you know, the worst things you could look up was, like, a website called, like, Rotten.com. And it had just, like, a bunch of, like, you know, nasty old pictures of just, like, random, like, nasty stuff on yeah. it. Like, not, like, not dirty nasty, but actually, like, but what you want to like, get. It was, like, gore stuff. Yeah, it was, like, gore was stuff not, like that, you know. It, was, it wasn't, you know, nowadays kids get to watch mass shootings on Twitter. Yeah. They get to watch the live stream of it. Like, that what is, like, insane. has happened or... You know, and I'm not, and, and these kids are so up to date that I'm just like, what do y'all, y'all just not do what kids do? Like, hey, go play in some dirt or something. <laughs> they play in dirt, they play in the sand, but I'm just like, what do y'all do in your free time? And I'm just like, <laughs> questioning everything. And, and the most, and I, so I can't even, I can't make this up. These kids have more fancy gadgets than I did. I remember the fanciest gadget that I had when I was a kid was my Nintendo 64 that was in the living room. <laughs> gadget that I've ever had. These kids right. own 13s. They got an iPad in their backpack. They got a ni- nicer looking Apple Watch than I do. And I was like, dude. Insane. You don't need that. <laughs> if I can afford it, you don't need it. Right. So these, these these kids is growing up with like the iPads, man. Like, cause that's how that's how parents like distract them nowadays. You see, with my little cousins, like, you want to watch your face, go let you, let them use your iPad. And I cannot wait for these kids to turn like you know twenty five years old, and they will end up you know being with the girlfriends or wives or whatever. And they will have to have an iPad in front of their face while eating dinner. Or never mind they, working. That's at, all they used to. Never mind working an eight hour shift or something. Because and and and. and what I found interesting over the pandemic and kind of relaying it was people got creative with kind of getting into the entrepreneur out the idea of wanting to start a brand like I think I started this kind of after like it was kind of somewhat through the pandemic in a sense but it was like intermittent like it was we were trying to go back to school but it was limited kids and I had started it very small, but it was a brand. And I just see a lot of other people who have taken advantage of the pandemic to kind of create brands. And and I see what you guys are doing. You guys created a brand, especially at a time where you guys are still in school, right? Oh, no, we're a little past college. Oh, you're, you're out, you're out yeah. of college. You're kind of yeah. at my point, my level where you're out of school and kind of working. Yeah. But I couldn't imagine you know, having gone through school at a time where we've had to go through this and especially at a time where you're at a point where you're being told 
you have a you could either not go to college and create a business like an entrepreneur but then but then there's a pro and a con to that that you're thinking that everyone can be an entrepreneur or everyone can do a podcast or everyone can you know do something like that i mean you can but it's how it's how you manage it you gotta like you gotta make this a priority like you can't yeah can't just you de- half-ass it you definitely got to be smart about it. i definitely believe anybody like no one needs college anyone as someone who went to college and graduated and everything right no one needs it you definitely can make it you know without um you just have to know what you're doing and be smart and be very persistent because you're gonna get a lot of bumps in the road you know and i feel like if you're going to college i would say know what you're going for and have an actual plan otherwise you can go in there major in communications come out not know what you're doing wasted you know fifty thousand dollars or however much it is on nothing and, and you know so I, I think both routes you go with you got to just really you know have a plan going right uh but that's gonna be uh, so real quick uh before we log off uh guys where can where can everyone find find your show where can everyone find you and tap tap into you uh yeah you can re- you can find us on instagram uh born winners pod um and then we have a link tree in the in the um, in our bio there. Um, almost everything: Apple Music, Spotify, Anchor, YouTube, TikTok as well. Everything Born Winners Pod. Um, make sure you check us out. Like, comment, subscribe. Please tell your friends about <laughs> us. Anything you want, man. We'll take yeah, it. We're, we're definitely trying to grow on YouTube. That's like our uh, our main focus. But we are we are on all platforms though for sure. So check us out, guys. Thank you. I do need it try to grow more on youtube i've been trying to think of ways to do it i haven't figured that out yet but i want to say thank you guys for taking the time to come on it's been a blast having you guys on i hope to have you guys on more in the future and we can talk more especially once the nba season starts and good kicks underway there'll be a lot more to talk about them um but thank you guys so much for taking the time yes sir no problem. appreciate you having us no yeah. problem uh, don't and remember, don't be a bystander. Be a hooper and keep balling. Peace. Ooh, bar. <laughs>